reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of 1 Timothy chapter number 6 and verse number 6. I'm going to be reading it out of the New Living Translation this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 6 reading from the New Living Translation. The Apostle Paul writing to young Timothy says that true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. I want to talk this morning about the value of contentment. The value of contentment. Father, we thank you today, Lord, that that you and you alone are able to make us content. God, I believe that we live in a very discontent society. And God, I do not believe that is your will for us. And I pray today that you will help us today, Father. God, I pray your anointing will rest upon the message, the messenger. Father, give us ears upon our heart today. Let us hear, and not only hear, but God, may we leave this room today. Lord, determine in our heart we're going to put the word of God into practice that we have received today. Father, blessings on each one today, all for your glory. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. And you may be reseated this morning. Well, To be content means to be satisfied, to be satisfied with who you are and what you have. I'm going to say that again. To be content means that you are satisfied with who you are and with what you have. So with this as a definition, do you know anybody... In light of the fact that contentment means that we are satisfied with who we are and what we have. In light of that definition, do you know anybody who is truly content? And yet Paul says that contentment is of great value. He says that to possess contentment is to possess great wealth. He went so far as to say that 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 true godliness with contentment is itself. Say itself. True godliness with contentment is itself, in and of itself, great wealth. So that means that, that, that no matter how rich or how poor that you are in money or tangible property, that has little to do with true wealth. We gauge wealth by how much money that we have in the bank. And, oh, how many mutual funds we have and how many houses we have and how much land we have and how much gold we have and, and all of these things that we place so much value on. And we add it all up and you've got to reach a certain place uh, before we are said to be wealthy. But he said, in order to be truly wealthy, one must have as his possession contentment. So here's the problem. Say say to your neighbor, we have a problem. And we do have a problem. And, And the problem is that seeds of discouragement, seeds of discouragement are being sown in our lives nearly every single day. Advertisers sow seeds of discouragement into our lives by trying to make us want... What we don't have. The new and the improved. The latest and the greatest. Hollywood. 
Hollywood sows seeds of discontentment in our lives by, by portraying the storybook life on the big screen, on the big screen, where the man always gets the woman of his dreams. And they always ride out into the sunset, living happily ever after. The problem is you leave the theater and the real world hits you in the face the moment you open the door and walk outside. Society, society sows seeds of discontentment by, by telling us that we've got to look a certain way. Oh, our bodies have to be thin and tan. Our clothes, oh, oh our clothes have to be cool and hip. The problem is they constantly change all the rules about what is cool and hip. You see, when I was a teenager, if you wore holes, if you had holes in your, in your jeans and you, you wore jeans with holes in it, when I was a teenager, that, that simply meant you can't afford to buy any more jeans. Friends and family sow seeds of discontentment as they play. Let's compare our stuff game. And they place unrealistic expectations on us. No wonder Paul said that contentment is of great value. Because you see, much of what determines something's value is the availability of that certain something. You see, things that are common and plentiful seldom are of great value. The more rare something is, the harder that something is to find. That usually drives up the cost and usually will increase the value. So, you see, contentment is so valuable because it is so rare. It, it is so valuable because it is so uncommon. It is, it is of great value because, because it is seldom, if ever, found. I cannot speak for you this morning, but I, I want to develop contentment in my life. I, I want to develop contentment. I, I want to become a person of contentment. You see, you see, I'm just not going to buy into what the world is is selling. I'm going to close my ears to those that, that will seek to sow seeds of discontentment in my life. Because I desire to be wealthy. I desire to be rich. But I desire to be truly rich. Rich with contentment. So let's talk about contentment today. Some of you this morning, I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but some of you here today do not possess even, not even one single ounce, not even an ounce of contentment. You've got more than, 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 than the average person. You've got more than, than, than most, and yet you are totally and completely discontent. You're not content with your marriage. You're not content with your friends. You're not content with your job. You're not content with your house. You're not content with your car. But most of all, you are not content with yourself. And because you are unhappy with yourself, you are unhappy with everyone and everything around you. And your discontentment is contagious. 
It infects everyone you get close to. There are two things that I I want us to look at today as we talk about the value of contentment. First of all, I want to talk about what it is not. What it is not. Or in Oklahoma they say what it ain't. Let's talk about what it ain't. Before we talk about what contentment is, I want us to take a few moments and talk about what contentment is not. Because I want you to understand, I want you to hear everything. Tell your neighbor, hear everything he has to say. I don't want you leaving here misquoting me. I don't want you to leave here taking a bit here and a bit there and putting it together. And I want you to hear everything I've got to say this morning. So before we talk about what contentment really is, let's talk about what contentment is not. And let me suggest three things that contentment is not. And, and the first one this morning, let me suggest that contentment is not complacency. It's not complacency. Ho-hum. Que-sarah-sarah. What will be, will be. Nothing I can do about me. Nothing I can do about my situation. I am who I am. It is what it is. Let me just float along downstream wherever the current may take me. That's where I'll go because I'm content. No, that's not contentment. That's complacency. That's being lazy and unmotivated and slothful. And the wisdom writer wrote in Proverbs 24, verses 30 through 34, I love it in the Message Bible. It says, one day I walked by the field of an old lazy bones. And I passed the vineyard of a lout. And they were overgrown with weeds and thick with thistles and all the fences were broken down. I took a long look and I pondered what I saw. The fields preached me a sermon, and I listened. And here's the sermon. A nap here, a nap there. A day off here, a day off there. Sit back, take it easy. Do you know what comes next? You can look forward to a dirt poor life with poverty as your permanent house guest. Contentment is not complacency. And let me suggest that it's not carelessness. Contentment is not carelessness. Oh, oh, I can work hard or not work hard. I I can try or not try. I can apply myself or not apply myself. It doesn't really matter because, because I'm content. I'm satisfied. No. No, that's not contentment, that's carelessness. And God will not bless carelessness. Proverbs 19 and 15, the Message Bible says, Life collapses on loafers. (laughs) Friend, the word of the Lord is is absolutely filled with with admonishment about hard work, about, about careful planning, about strategies, about diligence, about perseverance, and the list goes on and on and on. I want you to know this morning when Paul is giving value to contentment, he is not talking about being careless. Carefree, yes. Careless, no. 
talking about what contentment is not. First of all, it's not complacency. It's, second of all, it's not carelessness. And thirdly, let me suggest that it's, it's not circumstances. Contentment that is based on perfect conditions and pleasant situations. That isn't true contentment at all. That, that, that's just momentary satisfaction with your temporary set of favorable circumstances. Paul writes in the book of Philippians chapter 4 verse 11 and 12. Paul says, I have learned how to be content with, with whatever I have. He said, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. He said, I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty stomach, with plenty or little. What was the Apostle Paul saying here? He was saying true contentment has absolutely nothing to do with your particular set of circumstances. It has absolutely nothing to do with what you have or what you do not have. A group of geography students were studying the historical seven wonders of the world. And at the end of their study, the teacher asked the students to list what they would believe would be today or the present day seven wonders of the world. There was much discussion and there was much debate and there was much disagreement, but the following seven got the most votes. The Great Pyramids of Egypt, the Taj Mahal, the Grand Canyon, the Panama Canal, the Empire State Building, St. Peter's Basilica, and the Great Wall of China. Now when the teacher was gathering the papers up from each individual student and gathering up their votes, she noticed that one of her students did not turn in her paper. She did not turn in her votes. And the teacher asked the student if she was having trouble making up her mind about what she would consider to be the seven modern day wonders of the world. And the student said, yes, I'm having a difficult time. It's taken me a, a long time to think through this and process this. But she said, here, here's my list. I'm ready to turn in my list. And she told the teacher, here is what I believe and I think are the, are, are, are the seven wonders of the world. She said, to touch, to taste, to see, to hear, to hope, to laugh, and to love. And the room suddenly became so silent, it was deafening. No, my friends, true contentment has nothing to do with what you have or what you don't have. All right, we talked a little bit, just a little bit about what contentment is not. Now let's take a couple of moments and talk about what it is. What it is. Let me suggest, first of all, contentment is a choice. It's a choice. Paul, writing in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12 that we read earlier twice, Paul said, I have, I have learned, I have learned to be content. Amen. You see, contentment is a learned behavior. Contentment is a choice. Listen, friend, we can choose to be discontent 
to always be dissatisfied with everything. Nothing or no one ever pleases us, ever measures up, ever fulfills us. When we get one of everything, all now we want two of everything. And when we get two of everything, then we want one of every color. You see, you see, friends, only in America can a person walk into a, into a walk-in closet that is, a, that is as big as some people's bedrooms are and say, I don't have a thing to wear. Only in America can you drive by a dozen restaurants and fast food places and then say, there's just no place to eat in this town. Let me suggest to you this morning that contentment does not come naturally. Discontentment comes naturally. Discontentment is absolutely bred into us. In the very beginning of man, God places Adam and Eve in the luscious garden of Eden. God gives them access to all of the fruit of every tree in the garden except one. Perhaps thousands of trees to choose from. Only one that is forbidden to them. And which one did they want? Contentment doesn't come naturally. Discontentment is inherited and then we develop it. And then that discontentment also then everybody around us adds their fuel to the fire. I would suggest to you that discontentment is absolutely epidemic in our society today. The only way to stop it is to draw a line in the sand and make a personal decision and say to yourself, I choose to be content. I choose contentment. I refuse to live my life one more day thinking that the next thing is going to make me happy. Henry Kissinger, former U.S. Secretary of State, said, he said to Americans... He said to them, tragedy is wanting something so badly and not getting it. But Henry Kissinger went on to say that too many people have learned that perhaps the worst form of tragedy is wanting something so badly, getting it and finding it empty. Somebody said that true happiness is not found in getting what you want, but in wanting what you have. What is contentment? Well, first of all, I would suggest that contentment is a choice. But not only is contentment a choice, but I would also suggest, number two, that contentment is a commitment. It's a commitment. Contentment is not a one-time choice. It's an everyday choice. It's it's something that we make a commitment to. Every single day we are are tempted with discontentment. It, It bombards us. It comes from every direction. And so therefore every single day we must make the commitment to stay content. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 118 verse 24, This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. I want you to notice David did not say, This is the year the Lord has made and I declare a good year. 
He didn't say this is the decade the Lord has made and I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. He didn't say this is my entire life the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. No, sir, he said this is the day. This is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice in this day. I'm going to be glad in this day. Day by day. One day at a time. Been thinking about writing a song and calling it One Day at a Time. Daily, daily I will make a new commitment to being content. Content with today. Tomorrow, tomorrow I'm going to need to make a whole new commitment to that day. So today I've declared, this is the day the Lord has made. I refuse to listen to the enemy's lie. I refuse to get enveloped in all that this world is is trying to sell me and push down my throat. I I refuse to be discontent. This day, I I can do it for one day. For one day, I, I declare I'm going to be content and satisfied. What is contentment? I I believe it's a commitment. Point one, we said that contentment is not complacency, it's not carelessness. Hear me clearly, please. Please, if you have tuned out, tune back in. Hear me. Hear me clearly, clearly, clearly. Please, please. To be content doesn't mean I accept everything that comes to me, that I accept everything that is withheld to me, that I accept it without a fight, that I accept it without effort, that I accept it without work. No, absolutely no. Contentment only comes... It only comes when I have done every single thing in my power. I have planned. I have worked. I have sweated. I have strategized. I have sought counsel. I I have educated myself. I have taken wise, calculated risks. Oh, I have prayed for wisdom. I have prayed for God's favor. I have operated in pure, godly principles. Listen, true contentment is only found in doing every single thing we can humanly possible in order that we might succeed. And then after we've done every single thing that we can and we've done our due diligence and we've done everything within our power, then we take what we have done and we will place what we have done and we take it and place it all of our human efforts into the hands of God and trust Him for the results. And whatever the results are, contentment says, I'm fine with that. I've planted. I've watered. I've done my due diligence. I've done everything in my power. I've used every ounce of energy that I have. I've done everything humanly possible. And then after doing everything humanly possible, I take all of my human possibilities and I put them in the hands of Almighty God. And then it's up to God what the results are. If God increases me with much, I'm fine with that. If God increases, increases me with little, I'm fine with that. Again, because I want you to get this this morning. Contentment doesn't say whatever happens to me is okay. No, contentment says after I've done my due diligence, when I have spent all of my energy and used all of my knowledge and put everything I have into whatever it is, oh, then I place that in God's hands and whatever He chooses to do with it and with me, I'm content then. What is contentment? It's a choice, it's a commitment, and it's a confirmation. 
Contentment confirms or proves our trust in God. Worry is the absence of trust. Remember when God was supplying bread or manna for the two to three million Israelites in their 40 years of wandering in the desert? Remember how God instructed that that He would supply every morning. They, there, there, would be, there would be manna on the ground. And every morning, they, everyone was to, was to gather enough manna or enough bread for their family. For how long? For the day. He said, just take enough manna for the day. Just enough according to the size of your family. And I suppose that means how many and how big they are. I don't know. You know the story. Some of the Israelites gathered enough manna, not just enough for one day, but for two or three or several days. They either didn't trust God to continue to supply, either they didn't trust that what God did today He couldn't do, they weren't sure He could do tomorrow. Some of them perhaps were greedy and just wanted more than their share. Discontentment says to God, God, what you have provided for me, God, what you have given me, isn't enough. I'm not satisfied with what you've given me. Look, God, look at so-and-so. Why have you given them more than you've given me? Discontentment says to God, God, evidently, you don't know what it will take to make me happy. It says to God, God, I'm not sure that, that you can give me tomorrow what you've given me today. And so I better reach out and gather some more manna. I better reach out and take some more, more. More, yeah, 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 more, 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 that's what I need. I, I just, I just need more. I just need more. And how much more? Well, well, it's always the same answer, isn't it? Just a little bit more than I have. Whatever I have is not enough. Whatever I have, oh, oh, I just always want just just a little bit more. Just one more thing. That's it. That's it. Oh, I know that's it. Just one more thing. The next thing. The next thing. It's the next thing. That's what's going to make me happy. I'm sure of it. I'm convinced of it. How could you be convinced of it? Because you've been saying that your whole life. It's always been about one more thing. It's always been about one more rung on the ladder. It's always been about a little bigger house, a little nicer car, a little better cut of meat, a designer designer clothes, my own line of clothes. No matter where you are in life, 
We spend our whole life. It's always that next thing. It's the next thing. But we've got 27 things already that were one time the next thing. If the next thing was going to work, it would have already worked. I like what 19th century author, and we're going to be closing if we can get Pastor Braden. I like what 19th century author Maltby Babcock wrote. Everybody knows Maltby, don't you? (laughs) I don't either, but I like the quote. 19th century author Maltby Babcock said this, and this is in your notes. Contentment is the grateful. Contentment is the grateful, faithful, fruitful. Contentment is the grateful, faithful, fruitful use of what we have, whether that be little or much. Let me read my text one more time this morning. 1 Timothy 6 and 6 in the New Living Translation. Paul writes to Timothy and he says to young Timothy, True godliness with contentment is itself. Paul says godliness with contentment in and of itself is great wealth. You're not wealthy because you have a lot. You're not poor because you have a little. Godliness with contentment is in and of itself great wealth. Friend, if you have everything this world offers and yet you are not content with it, you are still poor. If you have very little of this world's goods, but you possess true true contentment, godliness with contentment is itself. Now I want to close with this this morning. Friend, there is absolutely no contentment without Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something, friend. There is a God-shaped hole in the soul of every man and every woman. And that God-shaped hole that's in the very soul, the very being of man can only be filled up with Jesus Christ. And man will try and fill that God-shaped hole in his soul with everything, power, possessions, Relationships, stuff, positions. And he just keeps throwing stuff in that hole. And he, after a while, he begins to think, How deep is that hole? How deep is that hole? Because I put so much stuff in that hole and I can look out into my soul and I can see it's just as empty as the first time I put anything in that hole. See, it's not necessarily just the depth of that hole, but it is the shape of that hole. And it is a shape that 
that is shaped only into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only one that can fill the void. He is the only one that can fill up that empty place. I'm telling you, without Jesus Christ, you'll never, ever, ever have true contentment in your life. Only through Him do we have contentment. Father, thank You for this Word today. Thank You for the value of contentment. God, I'm sure that every one of us here today is at a different level. Each one of us here today is at a different place in our life and in our journey. I'm certainly in a a different place in my life than I was 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Definitely 40 years ago as I started out in ministry. Thinking it was going to be the next church that would make me happy. Thinking it would be, wow, if I only had a church of 100, that would be it. Wow. And then, oh, if I could have 150. And then if I could have 200. And, wow, if I could have 300. And say, Pastor, you got 350 now and you're not satisfied with that. I I am satisfied with it for now, but the reason I want to grow this church is not so that I can say I pastor a church of 500 or 5,000, but so I can build the foundation so big that I can build on that foundation an unbelievable mission church that will through our sending and our giving literally win millions of souls. Father, I just pray today, Father, first of all, if there's anyone here today, Lord, and that, that hole in their soul is, is still, it's still open today. Oh, it's still empty and void on the inside. Lord, I pray today will be the day when Jesus plugs up that hole with His presence today. God, I pray for those today, Lord, that may be struggling even though that you live in their life, even though they're trying to serve you, and yet, yet they get caught up and they forget, they forget, they forget the contentment nothing to do with the next thing or the amount of money or the position or the possession. I pray you'll help us today. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning. Very quickly, just for a, for a moment this morning, all, of, all over this room today, if, if that God-sized hole is still open in your heart today, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, Day, right this very moment you want to invite Jesus into your heart and invite Jesus to take that place in your heart that only He can take it and only He can fill if you want to give your life to Christ today if that's you I want you just to lift your hand and let me recognize that you've lifted your hand let me help you let me help you this morning come to Christ come to salvation get that void filled up in your heart and in your life anyone in this room this morning I know I'm preaching to the crowd this morning. This, this, is, this is the service the saints come. All the heathens come to the second service. I know. Come on, I'm teasing with you a little bit this morning. But the truth of the matter is most of our, not all, but most of our mature and long-standing saints do attend this service. All right, would you stand with me this morning, everyone in this room today? You're, 
Everyone standing, please. Your heads are still bowed and your eyes are still closed as everybody stands in the presence of the Lord today. Nobody is looking around right now. Nobody is going to see. It's just between you and God today. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, wow, you hit me between the eyes today. I definitely struggle in the area of commitment, of contentment. I want to make a choice today to leave discontentment behind. Embrace contentment. I want to make the choice today and I want to settle the matter today and I want to make a commitment towards being content. Doing everything within my power to make everything as good as it can possibly be. But then once I've done everything within my power, transferring what I have done into the hands of God, trusting Him for the results. If that's you this morning, you struggle in the area of contentment and you need God to help you and you want to make a declaration today, you want to make that commitment today, you want to make that choice today, if that's you, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking, just lift your hand up all over this room today. I, I struggle in this area. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your honesty. You put your hands down now. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. It's not an easy altar call to... to uh, answer. There's others that need their hands raised this morning, but that's between you and God this morning. Between you and God today. Father, I pray for three or four that lifted their hand. Probably should have been half the crowd this morning if we were 100% honest. That's alright, God. Not trying to heap condemnation today. God, I just pray Lord, in the name of Jesus, Father, for each and every one today. Lord, that lifted their hand today. Father, that they struggle in this area of contentment. They struggle with discontentment. They struggle thinking the next thing, the next event, whatever is what they need. God, I just pray today that you will give them the strength. You will give them the help. You will give them the stamina. You will give them the wherewithal, Father. Help us to leave this room today drawing a line in the sand. We're going to do everything we can. Place it in your hands and trust you for the results. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Can we sing a chorus this morning, please? How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. Oh, we see how great.
we just thank you for the word of God this morning. Father, I just pray that you would help all of us to just be content. We love you, we praise you, and we honor you today. In Jesus' name, amen.